0: Open them to Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8. If you're using a pew Bible this morning, it's page 843, page 843. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 8, verses 14 through 26, Mark chapter 8, verses 14 through 26. So if you find your way there, we'll pray and ask God's blessing on our time together in the Word. Father, thank you for the songs we've just sung, to direct our hearts to you. Lord, we sing, uh, Lord, to worship you, to give you honor and praise. We also sing to encourage one another, to remind one another that what we're going through is not uh, isolated, or that we are in this Christian life together. And it's also a reminder for us, Lord, as we come to your word, that as we've just sung, that you would speak Lord, that you would speak with your spirit through your word to make us more like Jesus, to show us sin, to show us Christ's likeness to renew our thinking and to remind us of the wonderful truth of who Jesus is. Lord, help us now as we come to your word. We pray in your son's name, amen. Please follow along as I read Mark chapter 8, verses 14 through 26. Now they had forgotten to bring bread And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus was aware of this and said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. Has someone ever said to you, don't look over there? Or don't look now, but so-and-so just walked in. And of course, you respond politely and say, correct, I will not look. No, then you're like, what? Right? Uh, Especially with kids. Uh, Kids have a tendency to stare and to point and say, dad, look at that guy's hair. Yes, Thank you, Ezra. I appreciate that. Uh, The moment someone tells you not to do something, don't look over there. Don't look. Our natural tendency is to, well, I want to look. What's going on? What's happening? Uh, So what do you do? You look directly at what they tell you not to look at. Isn't it interesting how someone can tell you not to look, but yet you want to. The influence of others can direct your gaze, can direct... What you're looking at. Perhaps it's not the negative, it's the positive. Look over there, right? Look, look at what's happening. Do you see that? It's a, a pointing, a, a, a shouting, a directing of our gaze that there's something important for us to see. In this passage, Jesus interacts with his disciples again and then with a blind man, and there's really this overarching illustration used by Mark. And it's the idea of sight, of seeing. But it's not just physical sight, though in the case of the man who is healed, it is physical sight. But it's spiritual sight. It's it's understanding and perception of seeing and knowing and believing who Jesus is. As I was studying this week and reading this passage over and over again, I commented to a few friends up at our our state meetings we had this past week up at camp, uh, they asked what I was preaching through and I said, Mark, and I said, I'm to the point now in Mark where in this section, it feels like Mark is just repeating himself a little bit. Maybe the accounts are different, but the themes are the same and the, the big ideas are the same and, and a few of my friends commented, yeah, you know, anytime you, you're preaching through a gospel, they're really trying to reinforce who Jesus is. So at some point, it's going to sound a little bit the same. But as we were talking, we just realized how many times we needed to be told something over and over again. And this is the point in Mark's gospel here. As he is communicating this interaction between Jesus and his disciples and the idea of spiritual sight and hardness of heart, it's because they needed to hear it again. We need to hear it again. We need to be reminded of the dangers. Of spiritual blindness. And that is our big idea this morning, is that the danger of spiritual blindness is remedied by looking to Christ in his work. It's very similar to that of last week, but yet there's a few different nuanced differences this week. As Jesus is talking to his disciples about the leaven of the Pharisees, and of this man and this miracle that just doesn't happen instantly, Mark is communicating something to us about the influence of those around us, but then also what Christ has done and what he is doing. Spiritual blindness is remedied by looking to Christ. The religious leaders and enemies of Christ were blind to who he was. Right Last week, if you weren't here, we looked at the preceding section, and the Pharisees demand a sign. They want Jesus to perform a miracle or to have some sign from heaven to prove who he is. Even if you have a basic understanding of the Gospels, you understand that Jesus did a lot of miracles. (laughs) Jesus walked on the water. He stilled the storm. He fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and fish. What more could they want? It wasn't that they were lacking information or evidence. It's rather... They were spiritually blinded to who Jesus was. So this week, we're going to look here at verses 14 through 26 at the dangers of spiritual blindness, but then the remedies of looking to Christ in his work. Starting in verse 14, our first point is this, is the danger of spiritual blindness is remedied by looking to Christ in his work, by being aware of those around you and their influence. Beware of, those around you, and their influence. So in verse 14, we pick up here in the narrative, and Jesus and his disciples are in the boat. Verse 13 says that he left them, got in the boat, and went to the other side. They are heading to Bethsaida. Bethsaida is the hometown of Peter and a couple of the other disciples. And if you remember, this town did not really receive Jesus and his work. They were not receptive to his preaching and his miracles, but this is where they're heading. And they're in the boat. and they are cruising I use that term loosely, across the Sea of Galilee. And it says in verse verse 14, "Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. How many of you get an hour or two hours down the road and you stop and you look at somebody you're traveling you with and you say, oh, "I forgot this." That happens." That happens. Hopefully it's nothing like we forgot a child or something like that. (laughs) Maybe something minor like, oh, I forgot to pack this. I forgot this, whatever it may be. It happens. They forgot bread. Now they brought one loaf, it says, but this loaf isn't like we think of a loaf of bread. It's it's about maybe the size of your hand. It's like a pita. It's flat. It's unleavened. Uh, it's, It's basically enough for one small meal for one person. Somebody probably had it in their pocket or in a bag. That's all that they brought. And there's 13 of them, the 12 disciples and Jesus. That's not going to feed them all. And they are discussing this. Maybe there's some yelling going on. Peter, it was your job to bring the bread. Andrew, no, I told you. Well, Judas has got the money. Why didn't he go to the market? I don't. You know, John, you always eat too much. I don't know what the discussion was, but more than likely it was something like that. They had one loaf. And they were discussing it. And in verse 15, he, which is Jesus, cautioned them. He warned them and he said, Watch out, beware. This is look out. This is an active looking. This is a be on the lookout of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So this introduction of leaven is used. And Jesus is making a play on word here. Play on words. They forgot to bring bread. Now, we understand one of the main things, if you make bread, and a few of you do, and I'm thankful because that means I don't have to learn to uh, bake bread. I'm just a wonderful recipient. So those, Gary, thank you very much. Uh, One of the important things in bread, if you want to make bread that rises, is a leavening agent or, or leaven. And something such as yeast, there's a chemical reaction, and it causes the bread to rise. I'm sure it's much more complicated than that. Uh, But it is the agents in the mixture of the bread that causes it to rise. And when you put leaven in something, it spreads to everything. You can't just put it in part of it. It it, uh, makes its way into everything that it's it's put in. And so Jesus is using this as an illustration of planned words. They're worried about physical bread, about... Physical food. And Jesus says, No, beware, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And you can imagine the disciples sitting there thinking, like, What? Okay, never mind. And it says that they continue. Verse 16, and they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Jesus tells them to watch out, to beware they, in a sense, just kind of gloss over what Jesus says and keep arguing about bread. (laughs) Hungry, they want food. And Jesus says, no, beware. What is this leaven? Now, leaven in the Bible is used a couple different ways. One, in the normal sense of the actual leavening agent in bread, but often, and it's most often used to describe sin and the negative effects of sin. So it's not always, not in every use of it, but the majority of the uses of the term leaven describes something negative, specifically sin. Sin and leaven are almost synonymous in the scriptures. And here he speaks of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, some people believe the leaven of the Pharisees would be uh, the false teaching that they are promoting with the additional laws that you have to do these things to have a right standing before God. While we understand that to be false teaching and wrong, this doesn't make sense with the inclusion of Herod. Because Herod was not somebody who was religious. (laughs) He was almost the farthest thing from it. So what is this leaven in this context? We understand it to be sin of some sort, but what? what is the aspect we're to be aware of? Well, what do the Pharisees and Herod both have in common well they both want their own ways they both desire power and authority and autonomy and really both of them deny the authority of jesus and who he is this leaven of the pharisees and of herod most likely points to the fact that they are against jesus and that they are all about themselves. They are so self-focused. One author says this, the most likely identification for the leaven is blindness to Jesus' identity and opposition to the kingdom of God. They're blind to who Jesus is and his authority. And it says these are equally true of both Herod and the Pharisees. The disciples disregard Jesus' statement. They continue arguing and discussing their lack of bread. And Jesus says, no, beware that you do not fall into the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees and of Herod, of this sin, of this leaven. Why is this important? This is important because the disciples have been with Jesus for more than likely over a year at this point, a year and a half, maybe pushing two years, we're not quite sure exactly. And they have seen Jesus do amazing things. They have seen Jesus perform miracles that you wouldn't believe. They've seen teaching. They've heard teaching. They've had personal interaction with Jesus. But yet, they are focused on selfish, material, sinful things. They are blind, in a sense, still to who Jesus is. One author said they had a dull faith. It was not sharp. It was dull. It was not clear. It was okay. We're kind of getting you Jesus, but yet we're still distracted with the things of this world. And Jesus says, no, 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 do not give into that. Do not be influenced by that. Be aware, be on the lookout. And obviously the disciples didn't quite get what he was saying because they kept just discussing about bread. (laughs) The irony here is so It's funny. Mark is, I think, trying to show this contrast. Talk about the disciples missing the point. That they are worried about physical bread when Jesus is speaking about something spiritual and they're missing it. They are very obtuse. I love that term. The idea of kind of thick-headed and missing something that's right in front of you. Their obtuseness is clear that they are dull or their sight is not clear in relation to what Jesus is saying and who Jesus is. This is important for us today. As Jesus warns about the influence of others and their way of thinking, we need to beware of thinking that leads to blindness or a hardening of hearts. And this is important. We talk about a hardened heart, the heart that is set against God. A hardened heart is not an ignorant heart. It's not somebody who doesn't know, but it's somebody who's been presented with the truth of who Jesus is in a very clear manner, and yet they reject it. Think of Pharaoh. Of course, we understand it says that the Lord hardened his heart, but why was his heart hardened? It's not that he had no idea about the God of Moses, was, but rather the fact that he witnessed all these plagues or as my kids say it, the plagues. Still working on that. The 10 plagues. The 10 plagues. He witnessed all those things. The Nile being turned to to blood, and the, the frogs, and the gnats, and the locusts, and the boils, and the animals dying, and literally the death of the firstborn male in every family. He saw it. He witnessed it. He knew where it came from, but yet he rejected God. That is a hardening of the heart. Same thing with the Pharisees. They had everything that they needed in learning the Old Testament, in, in knowing the traditions of the law of Moses, of seeing the signs, of even seeing the work of Jesus, but yet they rejected him. It's not that they were these fools from the countryside who were just ignorant and had no background of anything regarding God, but they were the ones well schooled in all of it and they still rejected Jesus so much so that they said, That miracle you just did, I think you did that by the power of Satan. That is a hardening of heart. And that is what we need to be aware of. Where we have clear access, abundant access to the truth of who God is, of who Jesus is, of who the Holy Spirit is, the triune God, three in one, one in three, the plan of salvation, what God wants for us is his Father is here in his word, and yet our hearts can be turned from him. That is a hardening of our hearts. That is dangerous. That is something we need to be aware of, and we need to be on the lookout for those around us who would say, yeah, I know the Bible says this, but what about this? What about this, this way of thinking? And, and maybe it's not even... a a direct confrontation or a direct plea to follow them, but it's listening to them and having their way of thinking creep in to our mindset, how it seeps into our choices and our motives, when rather we, instead of looking at the Word of God, we act, we make our decisions, we find our identity in something else. And that's when the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod creeps in. When our desires turn from focusing on who God is and what he shared through us through his word to living just for ourselves. To living just for what we want. The influence of others is real. The Pharisees and Herod rejected Jesus and who he was. They denied his acts as the Messiah, declaring the coming kingdom. And their hardness of heart was not ignorance, as I mentioned. It was a clear denial of truth. We need to beware of that. One author said this, while failure to understand may be attributed to ignorance, hardening one's heart entails turning away from revealed truth. As Jonathan Edwards points out, an ignorant heart cannot harden itself. Only a knowing heart can harden itself. And that is why those closest to Jesus, the Pharisees and the disciples, stand in gravest danger. We need to beware of the influence of others in our thinking. In our thinking in regard to who Jesus is and what he's done. Do not be blind to who Jesus is. But as we've been going through Mark, I hope you're getting this picture of Jesus as the suffering servant king, the Messiah, the one who demands our allegiance and the one who deserves it. And that we do not have hard hearts like that of the Pharisees or that of the disciples as they begin to question and to to miss the point. We need to beware, be on the lookout, those around us and their influence on us. As they continue, Jesus confronts them. And this is how he confronts them. He reminds them of who he is and his work. So, to, uh, to remedy the blindness, we need to be reminded of Christ and his work. That's our second point here. Verse 17. I love this. So the disciples have no bread. They're worried about having no bread. Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And they said, okay, that's nice, Jesus. What are we going to do about the bread? They keep arguing. Verse 17. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, now, Jesus was in the boat the boat probably wasn't that big was this a supernatural knowing possibly but more than likely it was Jesus sitting there and him listening to the complaining around him those of you parents who have children and as they're complaining you know exactly what's going on right and you can step in and say what's going on i think that's what Jesus does here he just hears them and then finally he opens his mouth and he says this why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? These are not soft rhetorical questions. I believe these are pointed, direct accusations. (laughs) Not that he got angry in a sinful way, for Jesus never did anything sinfully but I believe that Jesus spoke in a very direct manner to his disciples there in the boat. Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? There are much bigger issues at play here, disciples. You're missing the point. He says, do you not perceive or understand? Do you not grasp what is happening? He repeats these questions to highlight the severity of the disciples' blindness. And he goes, are your hearts hardened basically he's saying are you like the pharisees these people who do not understand and he says having eyes you do not see and ears do not hear and this phrase is often used right let him who has who can hear let him hear those who have eyes let them see it's the idea of understanding not only in a physical way you can see and you can hear but it's an intake And it's a comprehension in your own soul and mind of who Jesus is. It's moving from, okay, that's head knowledge to I understand and I believe who Jesus is. And he says, are you there? Do you not understand? And then he asks this question in verse 18. Do you not remember? We talked about this last week. How important remembering is of thinking back, not living in the past, but remembering who God is and what he's done. And what does he bring up? They are worried about not having enough bread. They have one loaf of bread and there are 13 people. Has that ever stopped Jesus before? Jesus, I think, shames them in a good way. And he says, hey, remember that time I took only five loaves of bread and I fed how many people? Oh yeah, 5,000. Right, right. And how much did I have left over? 12, oh, 12 baskets. That's a lot. Hey, and then just, just a little short time later, there were 4,000 people. And how many loaves did I have that time? Oh, seven. Seven. okay, right. And how many did I have left over? Seven baskets. Jesus is showing the contrast here. And it's, a, it's a, uh, an illustration or a form of argumentation, right? From the lesser to the greater. You have one loaf. Remember when we only had 12 loaves, but yet we fed 5,000 people? And then we only had seven loaves, but then we fed 4,000 people. And you're worried that we only have one loaf and I can't feed 13? The contrast and the irony is on purpose. (laughs) That they are blinded to who Jesus is. They're forgetting. And Jesus says in verse 21, and he said to them, Do you not yet understand? that would cut to the heart. Because here they are with Jesus, day in, day out, interacting with him closer than anybody else on this earth. Nobody had more intimate time with Jesus than the, than the disciples. In the history of mankind, no one on his earthly life had more intimate interaction and conversation with Jesus than his disciples. And yet he asked them, do you still not yet understand? Do you not perceive? Do you not get it? Jesus directs his disciples thinking back to what they know, what he's done, what they've heard, what they've seen, what they've participated in. And this is important for us. For as we think of our our need for Jesus and our life, our Christian life and living for him, we can start to wander we can get our eyes off of him, and we realize that we're living for ourselves. We're focused on that rather than him. We say, "Well, I I want this and and I want that," and we're we're concerned with position and power and authority, which we're gonna uh, hear about here in a little bit. When James and John say, "Well, who's gonna? I want to sit at your right hand. I want to sit at your left," and and Jesus, no, that's not what it's about. It's not about you and and. And these material things and these things that you think you want or the world tells you that you want, it's about me and who I am and what I'm doing. He confronts them. We must remember to confront ourselves. (laughs) We must remember to preach to ourselves. The world today tells you to listen to your heart, right? I think there's several, several pop songs that would tell you the same thing. Listen to your heart. Do what you think you need to do. What feels good. No. I had a good friend of mine say this to me once In, in a, I was listening to him teach and he says, do not listen to your heart. Preach to your heart. Do not listen to your heart. Talk to your heart. What, what is he saying? Is that our hearts by nature are sinful. Right. We want selfishly, all kinds of things. And if we listen to our sinful hearts, we will go that way and our hearts will be hardened. And so we are to to preach to ourselves, to to talk to ourselves in a good way, not in a crazy way, <laughs> to tell ourselves, no, this is who Jesus is. This is what he's done. It's not what we feel. It's not what we might think be out, might be out there or we might need, but rather we tell our hearts and ourselves, what we know, not what we feel, what we know. What do we know about Jesus? What do we know about who he is? And as we think of the disciples, they're worried about having food. It's a very real thing. And some of you out there, you might be struggling and thinking, God, how is this going to be provided? And this and I, this, and you have very real needs. I'm not downplaying the fact, but We can't let that be the focus, but rather, okay, God, these are my needs. What are you doing? How are you going to provide? How are you using this? What truth can I hang on to in the midst of this difficulty? I love the song, Jesus Strong and Kind. It's simple, but it's so wonderfully deep in the truth that it says. Listen to a few of these things from Jesus Strong and Kind. Jesus said that if I thirst, I should come to him. No one else can satisfy. I should come to him. Jesus said, if I am weak, I should come to him. No one else can be my strength. I should come to him. Jesus said that if I fear, I should come to him. No one else can be my shield. I should come to him. Jesus said, if I am lost, he will come to me. And he showed me on that cross, he will come to me. For the Lord is good and faithful. He will keep us day and night. We can always run to Jesus, Jesus strong and kind. May we not be spiritually blind to who Jesus is, but may we lift our eyes to him and run to him, not be influenced by the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Herod or of the world today, but may we have hearts that are set Christ verse 21 he says do you not yet understand directly following this interaction is a miracle and this miracle is interesting because it's just kind of out of place with the whole flow of what's going on Mark adds in this miracle and there's some discussion as to why but it really serves as an illustration for what just happened says in verse 22 And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. So there's all these themes, bread and leaven and sight, spiritual sight and spiritual blindness. But now we have physical blindness. This man cannot see, and they they bring him to Jesus, which is very normal, the crowds would do. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village to an an area which he has often done. Uh, bringing somebody out uh, in a private area to heal them, maybe outside of the crowds. And it says, when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? So again here, Jesus is using something physical, his spit. Once again, we would think that's kind of disgusting and gross. But in the first century, that spitting, that making of mud, which we don't see him do here, but does in other places, uh, can was considered somewhat of medicinal value or demonstrating that something was going to happen. Um, So Jesus spit on his eyes, and he asked the question, do you see anything? So the man was blind. We don't know if he was blind from birth or if something happened, but he was blind. And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. So he looks up and he sees shadows, you know, forms, and it looks like they're just walking. Those of you who are fans of the Lord of the Rings, uh, there's a joke in here about air, uh, characters that are literally trees that can walk. Uh, but that's for your Lord of the Ring nerds out there. But he sees the people, and they're walking. They look like trees, meaning they're they're not clear. You just see they're they're upright. And so Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his hands. Or excuse me, opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. So, Jesus lays his hands again on the man. So, it's not that Jesus' power was weak. It's not that Jesus uh, needed to uh, summon some extra strength, because Jesus always heals completely. So, what is the point? I think, uh, and I think you can see this in the flow of Mark's narrative of the discussion of spiritual sight and spiritual blindness, is that the disciples, just like this man who has received his sight, It's a process. This miracle is a, is a process miracle. He does something and he cannot see completely and so he finishes it. The disciples are like this man that they can see but dimly. Their faith is growing. They're still confused fully about who Jesus is but yet Jesus is continuing to work on them. And I think that's important. Because it reminds us as we look upon the disciples and maybe look down upon them that they are still in process, that they are receiving all this stuff and it is a lot to take in. And though they are foolish and though they fail, yet Jesus is at work. And I think for us, as we see Jesus here in this, uh, performing this miracle, he heals this man. Yes, he demonstrates his power, but he's showing how the eyes of faith may take time to grow to learn, to see. Jesus is at work. The process of sight being returned to this man is not an indication of failure in Jesus' part, but rather how faith brings sight gradually in the lives of the disciples. They see somewhat dimly, but they will fully see at some point. Mark is bringing to mind how the disciples are in progress and how they're going to continue to be in progress of learning about who Jesus is. And this section also is a transition point in Mark's gospel. I think that's important. As we see this discussion here between Jesus and his disciples and the eleven of the Pharisees and of Herod, those who would reject Jesus and who he is and those who would respond in faith and follow him. This is a transition point. For now, moving forward, Jesus is going to full, start to more fully display and to teach who he is. We're going to see the transfiguration. We're going to see uh, the prophecy about his death and resurrection, more teachings, more confrontation, ultimately leading to his death, burial, and resurrection. His healing power demonstrating the coming kingdom of God is now being demonstrated to the one who is going to die for that same kingdom. Jesus is the one we are to look to. We need to be careful The danger of spiritual blindness is remedied by looking to Christ and his work. And we're going to start to see his work more fully uh, be explained and demonstrated here in in the following sections. So as you go about your life, keep your eyes on Christ and what he's done. Do not let the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod creep into your life or the leaven of this world. But keep your eyes on Christ. See, hear, believe, trust live for him. Do not be swayed, but come back to the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done. May you find rest and bread, spiritual bread, sustenance, encouragement, love, most of all, forgiveness and grace and mercy in him for our sins. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to look again at your word and just the Additional reminder here of the danger of spiritual blindness, how we can know and see and be witness to, but yet miss the point of who Jesus is. May we never think that we've arrived. May we never think that we have it all together, but may we keep our hearts humbly on Jesus Christ, willing to grow, willing to learn, willing to trust in the midst of difficult circumstances. And may we respond in faith with eyes that can see. For without faith is it impossible to please you, for we walk not by sight, but by faith. Lord, in trusting in Jesus Christ alone. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we pray for all this in your Son's name.